0: Welcome to another episode of Open Dialogue, the podcast for collaborative SEOs and digital marketers. In this episode, I spoke with Will Critchlow, who is the founder of Distilled. During our conversation, we spoke about the relationship between SEOs and Google, how Google might treat ranking signals in the future, and some of their super secret projects called Project Maven and Dragonfly. So let's not waste any time. Here's another episode of Open Dialogue with Will Critchlow. Welcome to the podcast, Will. How are you today? Very well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank thank you for joining me in uh, East London in Hackney. You've made the trek out here to our, our lovely little studio. Yep, and it's a great setup you've got here. Yeah, it's it's, it's really great. Um, I've got a load of different things that I want to talk to you about. And usually we kind of start by looking at how people got into SEO, but I imagine that people have already heard that through one way or another and heard the story of Distilled. So our... F- I instead like to ask, what keeps you excited about SEO? So, you, like, you started distilled was it two thousand and five, two thousand and six? That's right. Yeah. what What still excites you about this space? Like, see, you're really active on Twitter. Um, always, always got something new to talk about. Yeah. What What's the kind of That's that keeps a great, you happy? Great question. I th- I think the the
1: simple surface level answer is I just keep finding. St- stuff that I find fascinating. You know, yeah. I'm curious and develop these funny little obsessions. Uh, the recent one being RoboStock text and, and Google's treatment of, uh, yeah. of that, which we might chat about later. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, I just go down these rabbit holes. And that, that's one thing that keeps me interested, is mm-hmm. I just find these, little, these things that, that interest me. I think zooming out from that, I find search itself still
0: mm-hmm. kind
1: of fascinating at a technical level, but also a societal level. Level kind okay. of seeing the ways yeah. that uh, Google has grown and changed, and the intersection with politics and law and you know, the antitrust bits and pieces that we've yeah. seen around, and I'm you, you see the other things kind of ebb and flow around it, but it feels like search has been a constant, yeah. growing factor uh, over over that time and everybody gets very excited about the growth in referrals from social for example Mm -hmm. uh, and that comes and goes and search is still the majority driver of traffic for the vast majority of the internet and so there's that bit and then there's the I think the business effectiveness bit which is kind of closely tied into the end of that of Mm -hmm. the fact that it's still the biggest commercial channel for the vast majority of the web I'm interested in the business side and Mm -hmm. not just for our clients but for the world at large this is still driving huge amounts Mm of um, uh, business elements and uh i think there's a related bit in my day-to-day job which is actually much more about management mm-hmm. these days of course so yeah. you know yes i occasionally i get to geek out about robots.tech mainly mm-hmm. on the train yeah. uh, <laughs> <It's-> <laughs> <laughs> um, my you know my day-to-day job is building a team mm-hmm. management and so on yeah. and so forth and uh i have so much to learn in that area so yeah. i have no danger of getting bored there
0: has that been a struggle for you as you've kind of like grown the agency? I, I expect that you have less time to, as you say, like geek out and it's much more about management. Is that is that something that that you missed? You... I I need to get my hit of it every so yeah. often. So I'll find myself needing to
1: create or research. Mm-hmm. And I've got a few spaces where I get to do that. So speaking at search level, for yeah. example, um, you know, a couple of years ago, I had a search level two in a row where I didn't speak or I only did you know, I hosted a session or I uh, interviewed yeah. someone, but I wasn't giving a presentation. Mm-hmm. But I've gone back to giving a presentation at every show, yeah. in part because that's a somewhere be- between an excuse and an opportunity to <laughs> dive into something I'm interested yeah. in and, and research it and talk about it. And then, but for, no, for the most part, aside from that, and then, you know, like I say, literally sometimes it's what I do on the train yeah. where I get to kind of guilt-free uh, yeah. geek out about something. Most of the time, no, it's been an opportunity. I, I, I think it's probably part of what stops me getting bored.
0: Right. Yeah. Is
1: Keep, keeps you My job has changed you know, how, uh, at least half a dozen times mm-hmm. in the yeah. time we've been running the company. Yeah. And that's just a good thing.
0: Nice. And I remember reading a tweet, it was a while back, you said that you listened to podcasts on the train, I think in double time or one and a half times. Was <laughs> yeah, that something you'd next. recommend? Uh, y- yes.
1: If you if that sounds like something you'd enjoy, then yes. If <laughs> um, it sounds like something you wouldn't, then no. It's yeah. it's exactly what it sounds like. Essentially, right. it's taking the information in faster. It's all a little bit up, you know. You're kind of like <laughs> my wife hates that.
0: Though.
1: Yeah, uh, she is like viscerally opposed to this, and she thinks it's everything that's wrong with me.
0: Right.
1: But if you're an optimizer at heart, then yeah, you, know, you just
0: you, like yeah, you can get through. Why are you the listening? Of- ask
1: yourself why you're listening to it. If you're mm-hmm. listening to it for relaxation,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so it's an audio book or something like that. Yeah. No, terrible idea. Okay. If you are literally just trying to take that information in,
0: yeah.
1: then yes, you know, start with 1.25 and work What, what are you up to now? Like, two you, times
0: at the moment. Right, okay. Um, I don't know if I want to go faster than that. <laughs> Even for me, it's... Uh, you know, this is your brain on 2x speed. Okay, yes. if people want to try that, is there a podcast app that they can use to, to speed up? To be up honest, I'm it? just using the standard uh, built-in one on the iPhone. Uh, okay. uh, but
1: I think pretty yeah. much all of them do at least that much these oh, okay. days. If there's, There is one which might be Overcast, I can't remember. One of the third-party apps lets you speed them up even more, but not by increasing the speed past that point. Right. It cuts out pauses and dead time and those kinds of things, and it's got right. some intelligence to it. I haven't tried that, no, but maybe that that's good. that's the
0: next hit. Maybe, maybe yeah. that's where I'm going. Yeah. We'll see. Right. Okay. And um, so you mentioned the uh, robots.txt. Um, th- there was a few components to that, but I think maybe we'll touch on that that now. So would you mind taking us through exactly um, what happens there? So was it that you found some discrepancies in uh, Google's open source robots.txt parser? And you built your own tool to to overcome um, those differences? And then there was some fallout from from Gary from Google? And um, is that basically? Yeah, I mean, I think bit? the rabbit hole starts earlier than that. Okay. So I think that the, the backstory
1: contributes. So I mentioned you know, preparing for search love. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that uh so this this year I was developing some totally new material for search love London and I wanted to talk about misconceptions and, and kind of commonly uh, common mistakes or, or things that people got wrong about common areas of SEO. <clears throat> and I thought, you know, this will be interesting. And it actually came up the idea came from the fact Back to Twitter came from. I was doing some Twitter. I did those Twitter quizzes. I don't know if you if you followed any of that. Yeah. Uh, uh, and if you search SEO quiz on my timeline, you'll you'll find okay. them. Uh, but they were miscon- again misconceptions. I, I was surprised at how. Uh, I don't mean this in a um, in a, in a mean way, but how how wrong they, they were on average, and mm-hmm. I was discovering things that I was wrong about as mm-hmm. well. So I was surprised at the level of.
0: Uh, misunderstanding about a whole yes. range of areas, and this was and to be clear. This is like best practice ad- advice that's been in place for yeah. Well, for so a what I was trying to do or? was things
1: with categorical <laughs> right and wrong answers. So this mm-hmm. wasn't like you know the best practice opinion type stuff yeah. of uh, does it matter if you're if it's an H1 or an H2 you know, mm-hmm. that that kind of level of things. Okay. I was try- aiming for stuff that was absolute categorical right and wrong answers, mm-hmm. and uh, in the robots.txt area. There were a couple of things like that. I don't know how easy it's going to be to describe them in audio form on a podcast, but uh, <laughs> the um, uh, like there's, there was one example that caught me out when I was writing the Distilled You module on this mm-hmm. years ago, yeah. which was it's very easy to think that robots.txt files cascade because mm-hmm. they look like they should. Yeah. So if you've got some rules that apply to all user agents, mm-hmm. you know, user agent star, yeah. and then you've got some rules that apply to a specific user agent, say user agent Googlebot, mm-hmm. it's very easy to think that Googlebot should follow all of those rules. Yeah. Right, The ones that apply to Googlebot and the ones that apply to all user agents. Right. In fact, that's not how robots.txt works. Okay. If there is a specific matching user agent, mm-hmm. those crawlers will only follow those rules. Yeah. They right. won't follow any of the general ones. Okay. And so yeah. you can think of the user agent star as being all user agents except the ones mentioned specifically elsewhere right. in the file. Yeah. And that catches a lot of people out, caught, mm-hmm. it caught me out when I was writing the module in 2012 or something yeah. like that. I'd remembered it. I did a quiz. A lot of people got it wrong. You know, so, mm-hmm. so anyway, so I was going to build off that for my presentation. Yeah. And so I was build, coming, pulling out these uh, these quizzes I'd done and the misconceptions and the wrong answers and you know, mm-hmm. the things I'd got wrong, the things the industry was getting wrong. And the deeper I got into robotics, the more I realized that I'd tried to aim for categorical right and wrong answers,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but it was total mess. There mm-hmm. were areas where the documentation disagreed with the online checker tool in Search Console uh, disagreed with the newly released open source parser and so uh, I felt like all of a sudden I was in this weird very uh, uh, um, very familiar actually territory for SEOs of oh Google says one thing but maybe the truth is something a little bit different and anyway so this is the rabbit hole I went down and yeah so they released the open source parser but they released it as source code so first thing you had to compile it
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and there was just hurdles to using it. And so we felt like we were doing... I I was definitely helped here, by the way, by um, my colleague, Tom Anthony, Mm -hmm. who uh, was just as intrigued by as me as, uh, as yeah. this stuff. And it anybody who knows Tom will be unsurprised to hear that he was mainly trying to break it. Uh, and I was, uh, I was mainly trying to learn how it worked. <laughs> he, he likes finding loopholes. and uh... He absolutely does. And um, so he, he's there, you know, running his fuzzer and, and whatever else, trying to find bugs in it. Mm-hmm. And I'm just trying to understand how, you know, where the documentation is correct, where there are gaps, all these mm-hmm. kinds of things. And in the process, highlighted a couple of areas, got myself in a little Twitter spat We talk about it or whatever, uh, and then ended up yeah, building this little web-based tool mm-hmm. to replace the one that's part of Search Console, which is definitely wrong these days. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, we've seen that offic- officially announced, not well, kind of officially announced by Google in the sense that I think Gary yeah. and John have tweeted it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but a lot of their online documentation still refers to it. Right. And so, um, yeah, essentially that is a... It's built off a fork of the open source one, so I modified the open source one
0: mm-hmm.
1: to match my understanding of yeah. actual Googlebot behavior. Yeah, so this is different to all of those other cases, but I think it's right. Mm-hmm. I hope it's right. <laughs> uh, I've been trying to get confirmation mm-hmm.
0: from Google that that it is right. Yeah, um, that has not yet been forthcoming. Yeah, well, well, see how we go. Gary kind of distance himself from from your from your post on that, right? Well, so yes, before... Uh, so timeline was I
1: discovered these weird things, put my search love presentation together, mm-hmm. gave my search love presentation, which was before I'd fully understood the online, the open source version. I was mainly talking about differences between the documentation and the search console okay. checker. Yeah. Uh, but I kind of started spotting this weirdness in the in the open source version, and. I wrote up that presentation as a blog post. Mm-hmm. And I think it was that that Gary took exception to right, right. because I hadn't come to him for clarification.
0: Okay, uh, what, I mean, what was the the reason for, for that? Was it just not something that you, you thought to, to I mean, do? I mean, I guess I've got a couple of
1: different uh, things. I, I feel a little bit vindicated in not doing so because yeah. every occasion where I've tried to, I haven't had any confirmation. About. Right. I, think the, I think the reason the industry doesn't do this is yeah. we don't get straight answers. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we don't get answers at all. And like I say, it's been know, a month or so since i created the fork,
0: yeah.
1: uh, asked for a comment, et cetera. Et cetera and okay. I haven't had that yet. I mean, they're busy guys. I, I don't necessarily expect them to drop everything and answer my questions. Yeah. But nonetheless, I'm not going to sit around and wait.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm just going to put out there what I find and, yeah. and see what the industry thinks of that. So mm-hmm. uh, the after Gary uh, was bothered that I hadn't uh, got comment for that post,
0: mm-hmm.
1: obviously I, I then obviously did drop him an email, and I said, look, you know, I'm still finding these differences between the very latest thing you've released, the open source mm-hmm. version, and my understanding of how real Googlebot works. And, you know, they, they've repeatedly said this is one of the areas where they're totally transparent. The, the direct quote, I think, is we have nothing to hide. Mm-hmm. And... It bothers me that this is an area, I agree, this is an area where they should have nothing to hide, yeah. and yet it's still not clear, and there are still these kind of fuzzy mm-hmm. areas and, and misunderstandings. And so, anyway, Gary suggested that I make a, a pull request and modify the open source version in a particular way, mm-hmm. which I did, Yeah, but I haven't heard anything back for that yet. I think that's still unreviewed, so I'm, I'm hoping that will get picked up at some point. Like I said, they're busy, I understand that. I mean, yeah. No no bother from my side. Um, and... Yeah, it's basically a, a variation of that fork that I've taken forward and mm-hmm. published as my yeah. open source, uh, sorry, my uh, web based mm-hmm. version.
0: Okay, so what is left for for Google to do? Do they need to basically update their documentation? Then is that? I think there's two two things I'd like to see.
1: One is um, update the documentation. Absolutely, mm-hmm. I think there's a, a variety of wa- ways that it's either misleading, wrong, or out of date. They should remove all links to the old search console. Mm -hmm. checker in my opinion well i mean ideally they'd release a version like mine you know like an (laughs) up-to-date online checker i think would be a good thing to have in search console but if the worst version is having a broken one Mm -hmm. in my opinion so they should update that one or or get rid of it and get rid of the links to it the and then there is unfortunately there are still some open questions so Mm -hmm. i the pull request that gary kind of outlined in an email to me that i should make i went ahead and made that but that didn't quite Resolve all the issues as far as I could see,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and like I say, the, the version I've published in the web this is all linked from that web-based version. But uh, the, that version isn't just the pull request; it's mm-hmm. that pull request plus some other changes that I've made because I think that's how things really work. Yeah. So I think mm-hmm. I, I'd love to see them incorporate those changes into into the main open source yeah. version, frankly, because mm-hmm. uh, or tell me how they're wrong, yeah. if, one way or the other. Mm-hmm. I want the open source version to reflect how Google really crawls the web. The yeah. Web. yeah. Yeah, which I, mean, that, I don't that, think is too unreasonable, <laughs> but I accept that the time, like you know, it's not about asking them to do it yesterday, mm-hmm. but on a timeline, I, I definitely think that's where we should end up. Yeah, I feel like there's no point in having this mm-hmm. this stuff published if yeah. uh, if it's not going to
0: come reality. on a On a broader level of like, I think it's really valuable the the things that you're doing here in like holding Google to account, and it's something that we should be doing more often. But. I'm wondering what you think the reasons for the, these problems are. Do you think that Google are just like not putting in enough resources in uh, liaising with the search community? Like John Mueller does an absolutely amazing job and then you've got Gary and Danny who um, are also chipping in as well. But do they basically need more people? It's fascinating. I I what I'd, I'd, The fly on the wall I would love to be
1: mm-hmm. is to... Be part of the com or see the conversations that go on about the strategic objectives of those mm. webmaster relations teams. Because right. it's a fascinating amount of effort they put in. You know, the, the amount of effort that, like you say, yeah. individuals put in
0: mm-hmm.
1: replying to specific threads on Twitter or Reddit discussions or uh you know the the forum like it's mm-hmm. a huge amount of effort.
0: Yeah.
1: And yet it in some ways doesn't cover off the things that the certainly the most advanced end of the search community need. Mm-hmm. It feels like they they kind of cover off the the very basic. Yeah. You know, um, I'm thinking of doing this really stupid thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it don't is. do that. Uh, but it doesn't handle it doesn't handle the nuance mm-hmm. well. And so yeah, I'd love to know how they're evaluated or what their objectives are mm-hmm. as a team. Assuming they're even, I don't even know if they are one kind of homogenous team if Danny reports to the same person that John does for example yeah. um, but the I think there's a few things I don't buy into the kind of tinfoil hat conspiracy theory end of things that there's a lot of active misinformation mm. but I do tend to think that we end up with a lot of uh, misunderstandings
0: yeah.
1: coming out of it mm. and yes yeah, so part of the reason I was digging into this was as I said at the outset this was an area where I feel like they've got no reason to not be totally transparent. There are categorical right and wrong answers. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And we ought to be able to just work as a a group of external people and internal people. Mm -hmm. We ought to be able to work through this so that everybody knows the answer and it's it's clear. Because there are so many areas where that's not the case. Mm -hmm. And if we can't even do it, in the case where incentives are aligned and... Every, and there are categorical right and wrong answers, yeah. how are we going to do it in the cases where either Google needs to keep something secret or wants to keep something secret
0: mm-hmm.
1: or where the answer isn't a simple, yeah,
0: you
1: know, the answer is A type mm-hmm. uh, type situation. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I think, I don't know if what they need, I don't feel like what they need is more resource thrown at the way they approach it right now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I just fundamentally think that what they're trying to solve is a slightly different problem to right. the one that we're, seeking Mm -hmm. and i feel like you know their core day job is this like mass market you know the the millions and millions and millions of small webmasters running wordpress or or whatever else yeah and there's a uh there's a gap in the in the ability of people who are trying to understand the deeper issues to get any kind of official confirmation or official
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um interaction and too often when we seek that we get the kind of answer you'd expect to get yeah. at the surface level, mm-hmm. and, and they don't want to engage yeah. in the deeper conversations.
0: I wonder how much they have to go through PR and like, and how much of that gets kind of filtered out. It's fascinating, isn't it?
1: I mean, some of it is very obviously through PR. You know, I think the stuff that you see come out on the on the, the blog posts they write mm-hmm. that's clearly yeah. gone through PR or legal or, yeah. or or somebody. But they're not. I, I don't get the impression that they're every mm-hmm. Reddit comment, every tweet. Every, yeah, you know, no, no um, <laughs> definitely four, not. Probably, not with some of the ones that Gary hits uh, um, um, across. So I think, uh, yeah, I, I have no idea, and I'd also be fascinated to know, like, how they know where those lines are. Do they just have kind of standing? Yeah. You know, I know there are some areas that they wouldn't be able to talk about. You know, mm-hmm. when when we get into the super controversial, yeah, uh, you know, project Dragonfly. You know, the Chinese search engine. Uh, no, I don't Discussions know. that when was that? Was that earlier this year? I think it was earlier this year. They um, missed that uh so they're, apparently that I mean you know Google was in China years ago mm-hmm. uh it was a big internal debate. I think Brin personally actually was one of the voices yeah. saying we should get out because we can't uh we can't abide by our moral stance and provide a
0: mm-hmm.
1: um a search engine in China that will be allowed essentially yeah. so the Chinese government was saying they had to censor uh, various search terms and yeah, those they, and things
0: they'd have to have like a kind of big amount of access to probably things that they, Absolutely. they shouldn't. Absolutely.
1: And so uh, they, they weren't happy with that, and they, they mm. pulled out, and that was years and years ago. Right. And the official line had always been that mm. nothing had changed, but it leaked somehow that there was this, I think it was called Project Dragonfly, uh, mm. which was the uh, essentially a, a, an experiment, a, an investigation of whether they could go back into China yeah. and what that would look like. Mm-hmm. And a lot of Googlers were very upset. Right. about it and I, I believe the status was uh, I, the official line now is that that has been shut down right but okay. given the official
0: line was that it didn't exist in the first place who knows if Project <laughs> Dragonfly 2 is going on I, I have no idea uh, but there's, there's, yeah, such it's such a weird name, name, name a weird name to give it kind of lends itself it sounds suspicious and, <laughs> yeah uh, <it's> <laughs> what was Dragonfly. the other one <laughs> I, I think I'm remembering that correctly
1: because the, the other one was the um, the drone one wasn't it which was that was Project Maven is right. that right Uh, which was the uh, application of artificial intelligence to U.S. Department of Defense contracts. And we're going to see so much more of this tension, Mm -hmm. right? Which companies are prepared to work with whom, right? We've seen Microsoft is, you know, fine, we'll sell our software to anybody. Mm -hmm. Amazon seems to be doing a similar kind of thing. Google is totally, Google has rebelled against this and essentially said, you know, we don't want um, to be providing... Our artificial intelligence software to uh, people are going to use it for you know, yeah. um, rec- recognizing stuff in in drone footage mm. and
0: uh, yeah, uh, there's a lot more
1: well, stuff to come. Anyway, I think that's right. Project Maven
0: and I think Project okay. Dragonfly is the is the yeah. Chinese search engine one. But wow, yeah. no idea this kind of stuff was going on. I need to need to look into that. Yeah, that, I mean, was that fairly recently or well? Like a while so I, back? I feel like it must be in
1: the last twelve months, but okay. uh, time distorts sometimes when you're trying to remember these things. Um, I mean the before i did the the search presentation i was talking about with the misconceptions
0: mm-hmm.
1: my previous one had been uh i called it from the horse's mouth and it was oh. more broadly trying to understand from the outside how to interpret all the information that comes out of google
0: mm-hmm.
1: and this was a combination of yeah it, I, I don't know how much the audience uh was doing seo work back in the kind of mac cuts era mm-hmm. but it was fascinating He was very um, interestingly capable of giving what sounded like off-the-cuff human remarks that were very, very carefully phrased. Very, I don't think he was running them via legal and PR. I think he just operated that way. He had a very deep understanding of how, of Mm. all of the factors at Google. And he could give these answers that that sounded straightforward, but actually when you... (laughs) Uh, when you dug into them, they were very, very carefully phrased to rule out this edge case or like, right. you know, yeah. uh, whatever. And we see some of that still these days, but I feel like it's it's a little bit less carefully phrased sometimes. But, uh, you know, an example would be, so when I got, I was lucky enough to have the opportunity to interview John Miller mm-hmm. on stage. Yeah. And it was one of the things I dug into with him around the, you know, the age-old subfolder versus uh, yeah. subdomain discussion and i felt like we made a bit of a breakthrough Mm -hmm. there where we we got to my view of what you had the way you had to interpret all of those official google statements which were for years saying we don't mind yeah
0: they're treated they're they're
1: treated Mm -hmm. equally my view was the way we as a search industry need to understand that is they're saying google is saying that they do not have a feature detection element of the algorithm that says, mm-hmm. if subfolder, do this, if subdomain, do that.
0: Yeah. I can believe that. Yeah, yeah.
1: Right? I can believe that they are, sure. in that sense, agnostic to mm-hmm. where you put your page. But what they have never come out and said, because it would be wrong, <laughs> is in practice, in the wild, when you have an existing setup of one form or the other,
0: yeah
1: those pages will perform equally no matter where you put them. Mm. That, that is not true. No. But that's emergent. It's not a first-order feature of the algorithm. It's not the algorithm going, yeah. you know, if it's in a subfolder, we'll treat it better. Mm-hmm. It's, um, you know, it turns out that websites that are mm-hmm. totally integrated in this way have these forms of navigation, have these forms of whatever,
0: yeah.
1: we see a, uh, an improvement in performance when mm-hmm. we move, if you were to move that content from that subdomain to that subfolder, we yeah. will see a, an improvement in performance. Mm-hmm. Not because it's hit a switch or case statement in sure. the Google algorithm, sure. but just as an emergent second-order effect. And I think that's really common. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Googlers are answering answering very, um, I guess, I won't say legalistically, that, that's probably a bit harsh, but they're answering very very technical, they're technically correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, The algorithm does not do X. They it's were. kind of, you know, if you were to read the, the code, I'm sure Mm. it's true. But that doesn't mean that the effect of it Mm.
0: is that way. Is is that not our job as SEOs though to to kind of find out what kind of works in the wild rather than expecting Google to reveal like the intricacies of exactly how it might work? I've got a lot
1: of sympathy with that. I I don't necessarily think it's their job to proactively go around telling us all the different things that work Mm -hmm. better or worse or or have different uh, effects. What I would love to see is it, I feel like they could do more to prevent misinformation Mm -hmm. or particularly those cases where we're saying we've discovered a certain thing and it looks like they're contradicting us. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: That's where you get into difficulties with, um, for for example, like where where you started at the very top with the engineering teams. Mm -hmm. That's a classic pushback we hear is, you know, we say a particular thing and they link to a... Google's official position, mm-hmm. which sounds on the surface different to what we're saying. Yeah. And I feel like Google is doing harm mm-hmm. in those cases yeah. where they're not allowing for the subtlety or they've got a very carefully worded statement that is technically true but not useful.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, I think there's, that's damaging. I think it's then damaging at a macro level when you get used to it being that way. Mm-hmm. And this is back to, you know, should I have run my stuff past Gary? Yeah. Is when, when we're used to getting technically correct but not useful answers... Mm-hmm. Yeah. you kind of stop going for the confirmation, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and yeah. I think I think I feel like we collectively as an industry and as Google could do better mm-hmm. on, in that front, yeah. on, on that sense. And the, it just means that uh, I think they sometimes end up making, when you just read their words, it sounds like they've done a thing that or said a thing that they're not doing. Mm-hmm. Like they actually had a, a recent example of this. So just in the last week or two, somebody tweeted uh, a script slide of john's i wasn't at the event but the it was a slide it was so one around of the, pagination was yes it? yeah uh it was at the uh one of the webmaster yeah uh, it events. happened in
0: zurich I think, yeah, yeah was it
1: um was it later there I, I can't remember anyway um somebody shared the um a photo of his slide yeah so i don't know what he said but, mm. you know, I've seen his words written on the slide. And it had a very, very specific recommendation, right? It was mm-hmm. uh, it was in the case of... So this is not paginated articles, which yeah. is what Google often talks about in pagination and is not what SEOs normally mean mm-hmm. when they talk about pagination. We're yeah. normally talking about paginated category pages yeah. and the like. It was in the, in that case. So mm-hmm. where you've got a, a category page and there are, you know, whatever, N um, subsequent pages. Mm-hmm. And the... I forget the exact recommendation, but it was something like... Uh, after, for some value of n, no index the ones that come after that, yeah. and yeah. Have, there was some canonical recommendation in there as mm-hmm. well. Um, and I just I found that fascinating.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That I want to know how they come up with that recommendation.
0: Mm-hmm. Like why does
1: well, how does John know that's the right thing to do? Yeah, because I feel like the ways you might. Discover that, or you might come up with a recommendation. There is there's the way we would do it as an industry, Mm -hmm. which is entirely on the outside. Right? You could uh, you could reason it from first principles. Mm -hmm. You could look at your analytics and see which pages get traffic, that kind of thing, and make some guesses Mm -hmm. about what's going to work best. You could run some experiments Mm -hmm. and uh, either kind of laboratory type experiments, so you know a a Mm -hmm. test website, or on your live website, Mm -hmm. and in one way or another, try and figure out what actually works better in the real world. They of ov- it. Google obviously has a, another option, which isn't available to us, which is yeah, understand probably. from first principles, looking at the source code,
0: mm-hmm.
1: what will be treated better by Google. But given that this isn't, this is so down in the weeds, right? Mm-hmm. There is no way this is a special case thing in the algorithm that, that says if page six of pagination, then like that, oh. that, that. That I would put significant money on that not being a line in the in the <laughs> algorithm. Uh, there's no way that this is hard coded in, right? So if I don't think you could figure this out from reading the algorithm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So if they're not doing it that way, which way are they doing it? You know, it, has John himself or one of his colleagues run experiments on actual websites? Mm. I, I find that I don't think that's what's happening. No. Have they maybe done a data analysis? Have they said, you know, across the web, the pages that the websites that perform best are the ones that do it this way? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's obviously susceptible to all the kind of correlation causation yeah. challenges. Or are they doing what I suspect they're doing, which is saying, essentially, given the way we as Google want NoFollow and Canonical to work,
0: mm-hmm.
1: here's the way we want you to build your website because it's yeah. kind of consistent with the way we've said all these things work.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But
1: that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the highest performing version.
0: No,
1: And especially <laughs> because they've said, you know, for some value of N. Like, what, what value of N? Mm. And there's definitely an argument that it doesn't matter, right? This is down in the kind of a uh, fraction of a percent of performance. But it's, it's systematic or it's, it's emblematic of a, a broader problem, mm-hmm. which is they're giving these really concrete recommendations and mm. I suspect, or I have no reason to believe, that they are the absolute right answer in performance terms. As in, this is the version that's going to work best for Mm -hmm.
0: your website. In fairness to to John here, I think in uh, whoever shared that tweet did say that um, some updated guidelines were coming. Right, and I'll look forward to seeing them, right? But assuming that Mm those…
1: Yeah, I'm fascinated by what those guidelines are going to say. Because if they say anything like what he's going to give the sneak preview of, it's going to have all of these problems. Mm -hmm. I would be shocked if those updated guidelines… Tell us why they're recommending yeah. the, the, the methodology the word, the behind whatever that. They can't is like
0: unlikely to do yeah.
1: um, and if they're not testing it in the real world, mm. which I as I would be shocked if they are. But I mean, I'd love to be wrong. I'd love yeah. them to say, "Hey, mm. we built all these test sites, or you know, we ran the, we, <laughs> we got the, uh, the the Google search en- engineers to um, you know, build a mocked up version of the internet where everybody did this and it worked way better." Or <laughs> some, some kind of like actual data driven thing. Yeah. I don't think they're doing that. And if they're so not, likely. then yeah. I think there's a gap between what they're recommending and what will work best in practice for at mm-hmm. least some websites, or at yeah. least there's a theoretical gap. And so I want to know, like, how are they coming up with these recommendations and, and why there's a difference between that mm-hmm. and the kind of thing when they clarify a very concrete, you know, specifically, here's here's how Google works in a specific mm-hmm. case. Yeah. You know, if, if you ask them something like... Uh, you know, d- does it matter if um, uh, my sitemap file redirects to a different sitemap.xml, mm-hmm. right? They can probably tell us categorically yes or no, that matters yeah. or it doesn't matter. Right. Uh, or you know, there are those mm-hmm. kinds of things where they yeah. have inside information and we don't, and mm-hmm. there is an answer. Yeah. But when we're talking about what will perform better, that's quite different. And, mm-hmm. and when they seem to give the answer, yeah. and they've got the… What is that based on? You know, Google is kind of saying, they, they, they are the spokesperson mm-hmm. for Google. I would just love to see more caution, more clarification, more explanation of why that's their recommendation and mm-hmm. more leeway for, yeah. you know, being proven wrong or being discovered to not mm-hmm. have the full story yeah. in more of those cases.
0: Um, you mentioned earlier that uh, this this kind of gray area is causing difficulties with uh, communications with engineering teams and developers. Is that something that you've seen problems with in, in the past then with… Um yeah where it's kind of like impinged on your ability to um to get s e o initiatives actioned and it yeah definitely i mean, I, th- I
1: think there's definitely a i mean there's a broad culture mm. uh challenge at times where you know, honestly for on average good reasons mm. <laughs> a lot of engineering teams don't trust the average s e o level of advice
0: mm-hmm.
1: it does cause at times, does cause friction where you've got a uh, you know, high-performing engineering team and a high-performing SEO team. Yeah. And there are genuinely... It's, it tends to be on like the biggest, most complex sites. Yeah. There are genuinely areas where you know, SEO teams can add value to even a very good engineering team. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's... So yeah, I, th- I think there's different layers. There's the general trust question. Yeah. In mm-hmm. general, is the SEO industry going, doing a good job being right, being seen to be right, communicating well? Mm-hmm. And is that harmed or aided by the kind of advice that comes out from yeah. John, Gary, mm-hmm. Danny, etc.? Uh, and then there's a very specific cases. Mm. Yeah, so there's the yeah. general trust case of just building trust. Our recommendations are worth listening to. And then that we have definitely come across the case of you know, we specifically say, hey, it's worth doing this thing mm-hmm. and hearing back from engineering teams. Yeah. No, the official line from Google is it's absolutely fine the way we're doing it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we... You know, it's one of the reasons we've been investing so much in the testing, SEO testing side of things with that yeah. optimize optimization delivery network, mm-hmm. the ODN side of things. We want to be able to give data driven recommendations wherever yeah. possible. We want to win those arguments when we're right, yeah, and you know, mm-hmm. be able to put it to the test. I, I
0: found it really interesting. Um, you released a post; it's probably a few months ago now about the um, FAQ and is it the how to schema as yeah. well? And, <clears throat> uh, yeah, was it FAQ and product? Or, yeah anyway yeah yep. um and you actually provided some like data driven um analysis of it and looking at actually we've seen some benefits from implementing implementing this whereas before there was like some it, i don't know there was a bit of debate as to whether it was beneficial to to add this because you you might be losing out on traffic so um i think cases like that it's really interesting to to see something which is backed by data rather than just like We've anecdotally totally. seen this. Uh, unfortunately, we can't extrapolate that from, you know, we've run these two tests
1: and it was positive for our clients.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We can't extrapolate that into, this is a good idea for everyone. Sure. Nor do we try. Mm. <laughs> Unlike, uh, <laughs> you know, the, what the kind of the generic advice that has to come out of Google, yeah. where they say, you know, you should do this. Mm-hmm. The, the That specific case is really interesting for two reasons. One is the trade-off between uh, providing information to users in the search results and the click-through. Mm-hmm. So this was, uh, with the FAQ, kind of expandy
0: yeah.
1: bits in the search. Or accordion. Things, um, yeah. yeah, accordion, that's probably <laughs> expandy bits. Uh, <laughs> the, there's an obvious trade-off, right? You, mm-hmm. you are presenting more information. That might mean you don't get the click-through. It might mean greater sentiment and, you know, people like you better or, or whatever else. That's one bit of conflict. That's kind of a conflict that we see playing out in many, many areas as Google enhances the search results. Mm-hmm. In this case it was simple and straightforward for those particular clients because it turned out to be net positive for click-through rate even. Yeah, so right. the people engaging with those things mm-hmm. were resulting in more people clicking through even right. though they got some information yeah. before they clicked through. Mm-hmm. So that was just kind of interesting but un- you know, unquestionably good. The other interesting thing though was that, uh, I think it's even the official line, that FAQ schema pushes out other kinds of schema. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you sure. implement both, you only get one uh, kind okay. of display, right? and yeah. it, it flips from, it, it turns off
0: the other right. kind of schema, okay. essentially.
1: See and so there's a trade-off. Yeah. And straight away, you, you, I feel like there's literally no way of knowing without testing
0: mm-hmm.
1: what's going to be better. Yeah. So, you know, Google might be able to tell if they could run you know, massive big data queries about people who turned it off and didn't turn it off, yeah. and, you know, before and after there would be some mm. confounding data type challenges, but right. you could work through that at, mm-hmm. at enough scale. But for, from the outside, for people like us, the only yeah. way to tell that is with kind of A-B type tests mm-hmm. I think and so that's why we're working on mm-hmm. those kinds of things the but it's related to another kind of test I don't know if you saw we had one about um one of the it's only a very small thing but it was kind of one of the interesting ones was uh breadcrumb markup
0: I don't think I saw that. Though. so we
1: saw a case where implementing breadcrumb markup reduced uh click-through rate
0: mm-hmm Okay, was um, that how conclusive was was that? Was so
1: th- this was well statistically significantly yeah. re- reduced click through mm-hmm. rate for this one particular example, um, and it was to do with the way that uh, the final bit of the breadcrumb displays or mm-hmm. doesn't display in search results. So if you uh, if you think of a a URL that is um, uh, you know slash men's slash uh, trousers yeah. slash um, uh, slim fit mm-hmm. or something. Uh, there are situations where if you mark that, where the URL contains all of those bits, right? Slash all all the the pieces. Mm -hmm. But if you mark it up with breadcrumb markup, you might just get uh, men's trousers and not get the slim fit. Right. Displayed in search results. Mm -hmm. And if your competitors have the raw URL without the breadcrumb markup, theirs might look more relevant than yours does. Right, I see. That's a hypothesis of what's okay. going on, right? Obviously, we, we can say with statistical confidence that this happened. We don't necessarily mm-hmm. know why it happened. Yeah. So that's a, a hypothesis of what happened or a, mm-hmm. like debugging it was, was that. Um, and so, but that's one of those, you know, if you were, if we could get John or Gary or whoever, to, to, and we're mm-hmm. like, you know, should we use breadcrumb markup? Yeah. I imagine you get the answer. You'd either get the answer, yes, mm-hmm. Or yeah. you'd get the answer of um, yes, if it makes sense mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. We never get the answer of, you know, watch out in these situations. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. uh, you know, Like you said, I think that is that is the job of, of our industry
0: rather mm-hmm. than Google. Yeah. But it would be nice if we didn't get contradicted when yeah. we do that. Yeah, okay. Um, with that particular test, did, is that just something that you saw on in one instance on one site? Is that something that… I'm the, trying to remember the specifics of the detail now. I feel like
1: we've seen it on more than one… but test but that may be different countries of the same client
0: mm-hmm.
1: i'd have to I'd right. that. Yeah. Yeah. It, and, and a lot of the problems mm-hmm. with these kind of things is that they can be quite specific to industry and competitive set and it depends who else is showing and sure uh, and th- this is why i think it's hard to give mm-hmm. across the board recommendations yeah i don't envy you know, john and gary in particular i feel <laughs> like danny's doing more of the like political end of things but mm-hmm. it is hard um and yeah i don't quite know what i'm asking for maybe just more more acceptance of that more realization of that more mm-hmm. um I, I think them giving it depends answers all the time would be pretty unpopular as well so yeah. um yeah uh, they and they've done some great work you know they do amplify research that comes out of other places yeah i, I think it's it's just uh it's
0: just challenging I'm willing to take the whole, the whole um switching slightly to uh user experience and how um, you so you gave a talk at SMX Advanced Berlin a couple of months ago about um, user experience and how that is incorporated into search engine algorithms. I've been really interested in um, the whole Chrome user experience report, mm-hmm. and I've seen that they've started adding in um, metrics to that data set which aren't just about speed. So looking at um, the cumulative layout shift, so how much a, a page actually moves after loading. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen anything about it. Like, I don't know whether those metrics are being incorporated into their algorithms at all, whether that just exists in the data set and they maybe pick out, I don't know, like first content for Paint or whatever, and sure. um, the, maybe the ones that they're showing in those search console reports. Is that something that you think that they're likely to be including in their algorithms at some point? or Can we expect more Great of question. those? I think... I would
1: expect, given the direction of travel towards more machine learning-based mm-hmm. algorithms, that we'll increasingly see everything thrown into the hopper. Mm-hmm. right? Everything that they measure yeah. is a ranking factor, you know, theoretically mm-hmm. a ranking yeah. factor, as in it goes in the top, it's a feature mm-hmm. as in machine learning language, it's yeah. a feature that can be taken into account by mm-hmm. the machine learning algorithm. Is it a feature that has any signal, mm-hmm. as in does the machine yeah. decide to take it into account and yeah. therefore you'll rank better or worse depending on it? Yeah. That's unknowable mm-hmm. for us on the outside, yeah. I think. And part of the reason it's, even, it's unknowable even in theory mm. is it's there's, an e- there's a, a possibility that it's categorically not even fed in, mm-hmm. right? And that's the kind of thing that Google could confirm, right? Yeah. They might say, we don't look at that. Mm-hmm. And they might be right, technically. Yeah. But if they measure other user experience mm-hmm. uh, signals
0: yeah.
1: and actual human users
0: mm-hmm.
1: don't like it when the content shifts around as it yeah. loads, then they might measure the effect in negative right. so in other areas. Right, so indirectly measuring it. Totally. Right. Uh, and then it may be that it is a ranking factor in the sense that changing it helps your website perform better in search, mm-hmm. even though it wasn't a feature right. of the machine okay. learning yeah. thing. And from the outside, we have no way of telling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't expect to get this clarified in like <laughs> you know that level of detail mm-hmm. anytime soon. So my assumption with these things is... Assume it's in the hopper. Yeah. In other words, assume it's an input into the model. Mm-hmm. Don't assume it's a powerful signal. Yeah. Right. But assume it could be,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and step back, build your hypotheses from first principles. So the the, the talk that you're you're mm-hmm. mentioning, my my big kind of takeaway was, or my big argument was, build SEO hypotheses from UX and CRO first principles.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: This is better for our users therefore we hope it will be good for search or we yeah. think it will be good for search and then test it mm-hmm. and you know obviously i've got there's some self-interest here you know yes we have a testing tool but actually the causality runs the other way right we have a we have a testing tool because yeah, yeah we say, believe this is the way mm-hmm. to do this stuff effectively right. um and we've invested far too much money in uh building that mm-hmm. precisely because we think it's the only way to operate in yeah. a machine learning driven search mm-hmm. environment. And so, yeah, my, my argument is, don't spend too long stressing about whether that specific thing is a flag, you know, feature yeah. level detection mm-hmm. in, in the algorithm. Spend more time thinking about these are a set of things that we think might make our site perform better in search because they're aligned with the thing Google is trying to do, which is return yeah. the websites that mm-hmm. people like best. Yeah, And we think people will like that. Then test it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you can, you can end up with arguments that, yes, we should roll this out because it's good for conversion rate or it's good for some other kind of user mm-hmm. user experience signal measured yeah. directly, you can end up with some that you've done for UX reasons, but actually roll them out because they benefit your search mm-hmm. performance. Yeah, even if they're not positive in your measurement of CRO, their measurement they may be positive in Google's measurement of user experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, or obviously, in some cases, they're good for both. Yeah. The interesting cases being when they're good for one and bad for mm-hmm. the other. But it, this is why you need data yeah. and you need to test this stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. That, that's interesting, though that you're you basically can't. Figure out exactly what ranking signals are, are used when, and um, it's just going to become more and more blurred as machine learning's kind of like propagated throughout. Yeah, I feel like the um,
1: if I if I think over like my career in in search, I've gone through a kind of <laughs> well, maybe it's the stages of grief. I don't know, uh, but the different stages of. Um, elements of understanding, denial and, and whatever else. Mm-hmm. I feel like in the pre-Panda pre and Penguin era, you know, mm-hmm. go back to I don't know, 2008, 2009, yeah. I had a much clearer understanding of levers. Mm-hmm. You know, you could look at a website and say, if you do this, it will definitely improve mm-hmm. your performance. And you know, I could even map that out for you still now, of like, mm-hmm. okay, these things will help. If your website looks like this, these things will help. Mm-hmm. It, it was kind of much more, I was much more certain. Yeah. I feel like we, uh, we, we collectively as, as an industry hung on to that feeling for too long. Mm-hmm. We felt like we still knew what worked, right? But actually, the world was shifting under us, and and it was we were right often enough to be commercially effective, mm-hmm. right? So we were still recommending things that, on average, made websites better. Yeah. So we were actually helping performance. Mm-hmm. We just weren't as right as we were certain. Right, if <laughs> that makes sense. And then where we are now, or at least where where I am now, yeah is more the acceptance of that. It's,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I don't know for certain. I know ways of working. I know methodologies. I know uh, paths to Mm
0: -hmm.
1: getting to a point of being confident that we're rolling out things that are making your website better. Mm -hmm. But I can't do it in a vacuum. I I can't do this from best practices. It's too complex. There's too many interdependent signals. Mm -hmm. And frankly, even if you had access to the source code,
0: Mm. more
1: than that, even if you had access to Google's data, Mm. You can't answer some of these questions with yeah. certainty. You can only answer with experimental outputs, mm-hmm. and I think that's a that's a feature across all kinds of machine learning, artificial intelligence. You know, you you look at things like the um, uh, Alpha uh, AlphaGo, you know, mm-hmm. at, um, the um, computers beating world champions uh, at, yeah. uh, at Go, where in that series, the computer is making moves mm. that even after the fact. The human grandmasters can't explain; they can't right. say why that was a good move, and they would never have made it. Mm-hmm. So this is different. You know, the computer is taking a different approach and mm-hmm. an, a, a, an unexplainable mm-hmm. approach. And I think we, because the ways that we think about machine learning, we have to dumb it down for us to get our brain around it, yeah. right? So you start right. think you think in three dimensions, or you think in two dimensions. Mm-hmm. And you think about class of linear, linear classifiers, and, and yeah. you get in your brain this kind of, oh, it looks like that. But it doesn't. It's, it, it's that at you know, 200 uh, variables or 2,000 yeah. variables. Yeah. And literally we just, our brains literally it. just can't do this. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't, did you see the thing where they let uh, unguided deep learning loose on YouTube and asked it to classify things? No. And it discovered cats, <laughs> right? So uh, as in, it obviously didn't right. come up with the name, yeah. cat, but it, uh, it watched a ton of YouTube videos. And it discovered that there was a commonality between
0: mm-hmm.
1: this set of videos. And when people went and looked at those set of videos, yeah. they could label those as, "Oh, what the computer has done here is discovered the concept of a cat mm-hmm. and labeled the videos that have cats in them." Right. Okay, now that happens to work because that was obviously a uh, dominant eigenvector, right? Like th- mm-hmm. th- there is a uh, there is a whole genre of stuff on YouTube that yeah. is cats. Mm-hmm. The computers are just as good at Mm. discovering things that not only do we have no name for them, we have no human explainable concept of them. And that will be true of search Mm. just as much as it's true of videos. And we would love it if the output of the machine learning video was you know, mm. uh, faster websites are better, yeah, or you, whatever. Or
0: like a nice bite-sized sort of But
1: But, but it, mm-hmm. and there will be some of those, because there will be some dominant eigenvectors that you're like, yes, people just like those
0: mm-hmm.
1: kinds of things, and we have a word for it.
0: Yeah.
1: But there'll be plenty of others where the just thing that the computer has discovered that people like mm-hmm. is not a concept that we yeah. can even get our heads around, mm-hmm. and we certainly don't have a word for it. Yeah. And... That's the direction of travel.
0: Mm-hmm. I feel
1: like we've got to get on board with that, yeah. and we just have, we have to learn to operate in that future world. Yeah. And that's that's why we're so, uh, we're taking the kind of testing
0: approach, right? It's so a scary but exciting place to to be in.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's good for users. Mm. Um, you know, it, it's uh, it's going to result in better search. Yeah, it's going to result mm. in better at the end of it, better, better businesses being found yeah. for
0: those things. In terms of SEO and SEOs, do you think it's going to kind of accelerate more specialization in terms of um what seos are interested in so we've kind of like, over the past few years you've seen like the growth of technical seo and i think that's becoming ever more distinct from content marketing or digital pr interesting i it,
1: it ebbs and flows doesn't it because mm. i feel like you could have you could have said the same thing in 2006 yeah Technical SEO. Mm-hmm. That was the the first technical SEO heyday. Right. Was two thousand six to two thousand eight. Right. Know, something like that. Um, okay. Random dates. Basically, the point where. So if you think through Google's timeline,
0: mm-hmm.
1: they they went through a phase in the early two thousands yeah. of the biggest thing they needed to do was ingest more information. Mm-hmm. Right. This is the f- first Google Books right. era. Yeah. Right. They're literally scanning.
0: What, physical of, books right. in
1: you know, from libraries because they they just want more they just yeah. want more information give us all your pages have mm-hmm. more pages create some pages on these things expose your databases to the internet yeah. and there was a gold rush right you could make a you could make a killing in that era by taking a database that was not online
0: mm-hmm.
1: and putting it online right. literally you know yeah. take a database of phone numbers postcodes
0: mm-hmm.
1: and put them on the internet have right. a page per database row mm-hmm. And Google will go hell yes I'm going to call that I'm going to index it I'm going to return it for long tail queries mm. you will do great that started that really that swung back in the Panda era when Google was like you know what some of that stuff you put on the internet was kind of shit um, <laughs> would you would you mind not putting all your shit on the yeah. internet but it w- that was that came later right mm. so I would say maybe even it's longer maybe it's two thousand six two thousand ten that kind of era mm-hmm. a lot of our advice was. Let it be indexed. Open mm-hmm. up. Have more pages. Create yeah. more pages. More inventory, please. Mm-hmm. And that was a the first technical technical boom. Right. Because okay. how do you do that? Right. Yeah. Well, you you need um, great information architecture. Mm-hmm. You need crawlable paths to all those pages. Yeah. You need a you know, fast, responsive website so that mm-hmm. um, Googlebot can literally crawl the volume of information yeah. that we're talking about mm-hmm. here. You know, prior to that era, SEO in two thousand two. Mm which was even before I was in the game.
0: Right.
1: Probably, I was still at university. uh, That websites were smaller.
0: Mm.
1: And so actually, you didn't have technical in quite... You know, technical came down, boiled down to don't build it in Flash, (laughs) which is very different to what we're talking about, I think, today. So yeah, we're seeing a resurgence of technical SEO. Right, it's the um, renaissance
0: of technical SEO. Yeah.
1: Um, Mike King's talked about that. and Mm. There's certainly more and more of that. Mm. And I I do think we probably, yes, we probably do end up with more specialization because Mm. there are certain kinds of technical SEO that look more like the don't build it in Flash version right yeah server-side rendering mm-hmm. spa uh where's the limit of what javascript you can use mm-hmm. et cetera, yeah. et cetera, which is one side of it, it is, is quite different to the kind of technical recommendations that are more subjective mm-hmm. like uh you know is this website fast enough
0: yeah
1: or like you you're talking about you know, mm-hmm. contentful paint versus yeah. uh render mm-hmm. layout uh yeah. changes and and so forth um I still, I don't know, maybe this is a, maybe this doesn't age well, but I like people to have at least some element of the generalist. Like you, I think you need to fit it together. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to understand what? not just that technical foundation, but also elements of content strategy, elements of mm-hmm. uh, um, whatever. We, we, we talk a lot about the balanced digital scorecard at Distilled, which spans those areas. Like, you need to get to at least a certain level. Yeah. So as a, as a as a practitioner but also you need to get your website to at least a certain level. You know, mm-hmm. There's an element of you know, you can have the best technical setup in the world but if your content's crap you're going nowhere. Yeah. Equally you can have the best content in the world but if it can't get crawled and indexed it's going nowhere. Mm-hmm. You, know, you need a bit of both. Yeah. And I don't see that going away. Yeah. So uh, I'd like to see generalist practitioners continue but we are def- we definitely need the specialists sometimes because you mm-hmm. hit those edge cases and yeah. you need people who've really
0: dug into them. Yeah. Okay. Um We've been going for a quite a while now. It's like been really fascinating. But um, before we wrap up, I've got um, a couple of things. So the the first is just to take us back on like the normal format of um, of this podcast because this has been completely okay. different. But Sorry about that. I, I've really enjoyed it. <laughs> like it's been been so interesting. But um, just touching on, uh, are you using ODN uh, to communicate? Uh, with clients at all, like what to what extent? Yes, we, we is have that happening. Different kinds of uh, things. Going on. So obviously, we have the set
1: of our clients who are customers of the software mm-hmm. who are using it directly themselves yeah. to run their own uh, tests, or, or we're helping run tests mm-hmm. on their website to answer questions for yeah. their website. That's obviously the kind of simple yes mm-hmm. in those cases. <laughs> yeah. Totally.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, what we then try and do is the other extreme is we try and take t- surprising, interesting or generalizable mm-hmm. results yeah. from the hundreds and hundreds of tests we're running mm-hmm. across all of those customers yeah. and publish external information. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. blog posts, conference talks, sure. like you say, you've seen mm-hmm. some of those. Yes, there's an interesting case in the middle, which is our consulting clients, mm-hmm. people we're working with who don't have access to the testing platform themselves or their website isn't suitable yeah. for that kind of testing. Mm-hmm. And in those cases, yes, what we're trying to, we've done a lot of work to try and make more of our consulting recommendations be Driven from what we've learned
0: mm-hmm. again
1: across those hundreds of tests, yeah. and sometimes that sometimes the answer is still unclear for all the reasons we've talked about. Mm-hmm. But at least in those cases, we can say, look, you know, we've seen when we've tested this, we've seen this range of outcomes. Mm-hmm. We think your website looks more like the ones that get this kind of outcome. Yeah. So we're making this recommendation here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or look, we've seen that the downside is limited. You know, we've never seen big negative outcomes from this. We mm-hmm. think it's worth doing. Yeah. For these other reasons mm-hmm.
0: um so you, are you seeing sure. uh, much sort of uniformity in the the kind of results across different um verticals and different industries because i remember seeing uh uh don woodman's talk mm-hmm. about um developing not developing odm but like his experiences uh, with it and it was like quite interesting about the the number of kind of hiccups and failures and we're, we're wrong a lot yeah. uh is, is part of the uh the, the testing outcome i think mm-hmm. what we
1: what we've seen is there are there are some universal principles that seem to hold across mm-hmm. everything yeah. as in not just websites within a niche but you know across different verticals different kinds of websites those kinds mm-hmm. of things and there are some that frankly don't it doesn't even they might even be different per website Yeah, not because. That's hard-coded in at Google's end, but like mm-hmm. I said, just because of the complexity of the number of variables, that you yeah. essentially can't predict right. how something's going to play out. Mm-hmm. And I, I'd have to um, try and dig into the data a bit more the team. I, I can't think of anything that we've found to be strongly true in a vertical
0: mm-hmm.
1: and not hold in other verticals.
0: Okay.
1: you know, Aside from vertical-specific SERP features mm-hmm. or you know that kind of thing.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, In general, things are true-ish or mm-hmm. not true-ish or yeah. unknown rather than true in this vertical, false in that vertical. Okay. Um, Which is consistent, I think, with... I've always been a bit suspicious of... I don't think Google's doing a ton of verticalized hard coding. Mm -hmm. I think it might be emergently different, Yeah. if travel websites all set themselves up in a certain way and Mm -hmm. jobs websites all set themselves up in a different way, then yes, those industries will perform differently. But not because Google is going... Mm-hmm. this is travel and this is jobs yeah but uh just because of the emergent features when you have that kind of complexity mm-hmm. and that scale of algorithm
0: yeah okay and what kind of developments in the ODM platform do you uh, are you working on at the moment is there anything uh
1: that... so the biggest so the biggest stuff that's out there already I think is um uh i mean the probably the biggest thing's year has been full funnel mm-hmm. which is yeah. uh testing simultaneous testing of user experience, conversion rate factors, and mm-hmm. SEO factors. And so you can separately, when when a test is, is complete, you can say uh, this had this positive or negative impact on search yeah. performance, and this positive or negative impact on conversion rate, for example, mm-hmm. and then this aggregate yeah. impact. Uh, that, that's probably the, the biggest thing there. We had a whole load of uh, you know, speeding things up and mm-hmm. some quite exciting yeah. speed and nice. performance uh, improvements, which are obviously uh, important. And um, I think the uh, the newest thing that we're working on right now, which will be, is available to some of our customers already, but will be kind of mm-hmm. widely available next year, is building off the full funnel side of things, yeah. is the ability to use the platform to run conversion rate specific tests, like standalone okay. conversion rate specific tests. Nice. Um, but uh, yeah, that that's more kind of rounding out its usefulness rather than taking it into revolutionary areas. What we mainly want to do is just, I I, I just want to get it on more sites. I I just want to be able to run more tests Mm -hmm. and it's not so much run different kinds of tests or need features that we don't have. It's just, let's get it on more sites and and then we'll be able to discover more things. Yeah,
0: that's cool. Um, My final question is just around how you build the team at Distilled and how you um, hire people because I think what, you've created in the industry is like when you see someone speaking from distilled you there's a certain level of expectation um and, and they people at distilled seem to kind of be in your own image a lot like super smart <laughs> so, and uh, <laughs> and i appreciate that yeah i wasn't sure that's where you were going with in my
1: image <laughs> 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 um uh, well i mean firstly we've been incredibly lucky over the years, some of the people that mm-hmm. we've had the chance to work with who, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yes, we've still got incredible people around you that you see speaking from Distilled, but you'll see mm-hmm. our alumni at so many events and, yep. and that's just uh, phenomenal. Um, the, I mean, it's, it's, it's firstly pretty deliberate. Like we, I enjoy speaking and writing and getting out and doing that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. but I also didn't want it to just be me and just be my,
0: yeah. you
1: know, kind of, uh, my opinions blasted everywhere. Mm-hmm. So we've always tried to allow people that opportunity and give them that exposure if that's what they're interested in. It's also a kind of a uh, a thing that I think we've got better at supporting people to do. And this mm-hmm. is why you, you know, yeah. yes, uh, I'm sure. I think some, it rubs off in the other direction on me as well. So it, like we might, you get some similarities that aren't necessarily like, I was like that all along. Yeah, right. uh, I've learned mm-hmm. over the years uh, too. Um, and we've tried to expand that out outside of distilled it you know with our search love mm. uh community speakers and yeah. the like where we bring people into our process and mm-hmm. we say yes you know we can coach you support you help you um yeah. and, and take somebody from not the zero experience but you know maybe you've presented to clients or done a small meetup those mm-hmm. kind of things take you to the conference stage yeah. and then it's been incredible seeing the results of that some yeah. of those people have uh you know, within within a talks. year, ended up on yeah. the Moscon talk yeah. stage or, yeah. or, or, or wherever, uh, which is which is phenomenal. But mm-hmm. I think I think the overarching principle is yeah, we we don't necessarily hire for years and years of experience in the industry. Mm-hmm. We often bring people in at the analyst or even intern level, yeah. um, and we give them a lot of internal support and um, mm-hmm. coaching and yeah. training and and so forth. But also, they know they're going to get the opportunity because mm-hmm. I think the the nice thing that comes out of that i guess that broad reputation is we can get them on the bigger stages mm-hmm. whether they're ours or whether it's you know talking to kelvin for brighton or, mm-hmm. or wherever and saying hey we've got this rising star yeah. you should put them on your stage people tend sure. to listen yeah. and so people know it's worth putting that effort in mm-hmm. and i think what we've now got to is a nice uh a nice kind of flywheel of we've built this platform mm-hmm. on the gra- on the back of hard work of dozens and dozens of people over a you know, decade plus many yeah. of them are not even at distilled anymore yeah. but we've got that reputation
0: mm-hmm.
1: that, that allows us to now yeah. uh kind of. quickly take somebody through from mm-hmm. they know their stuff to they're able to yeah. communicate it and, and do that on the biggest stages
0: yeah recently i've really enjoyed um seeing emily potter she's doing a cracking yeah. job yeah, yeah. Um, sort at brighton seo yeah she spoke in search love uh mm.
1: in london she's back on the san diego stage Actually, uh, yeah. in March, which is really cool. Yeah, we've got a whole bunch of uh, rising stars, which is which is phenomenal. Because it does ebb yeah. and flow a bit. You know, you, you end up at times with, uh, mm. you know, everybody remembers the ones who've left. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> it's nice to have some, some new blood coming through as well.
0: Cool. Um, okay, I think we'll wrap things up there. Thank you for a really interesting, fascinating chat. And um, it's been yeah. fun. Thanks for having yeah. me. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Cheers. A massive thank you to Will for being such a knowledgeable guest. If you'd like to hear more from him, you can find him on Twitter at Will Critchlow. If you'd like to hear more from me, I'm Sam underscore Marston on Twitter. And if you'd like to share our podcast with the world, then make sure that you add the hashtag open underscore dialogue. Before you go, I would like to let you know that this podcast has been made possible by my employer Deep Crawl. So, if you're interested in improving the technical health and organic performance of the websites that you manage, make sure that you check us out, head on over to deepcrawl.com and have a look at how we can help. We've even got a two-week trial for you to give us a go with. I'd also like to give a shout out to Bemo Studios based in Hackney Central. They make open dialogue sound as great as it does. If you're interested in finding a written recap of this podcast, you can head on over to the Deepcrawl blog by visiting deepcrawl.com forward slash podcast. And you'll also be able to sign up to our mailing list as well. So thank you again for listening, and I hope you join us again soon.